Hello, I'm Melanie and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the gaming industry. Today, I'm joined by Magnus, Tobias and Light. Uh, but before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introduction. Uh, Magnus, if you would like to kick us off. Yes, I can start. Hey, hey I'm Magnus. I'm Chief Revenue Officer for Esports Innovation Group, which is an esport tech company. We develop esports tournaments. We develop also uh, tech uh, NFT uh, gamers passport, which is an NFT for gamers in Taiwan. I have a background in esports. I've been working at uh, DreamHack uh, for seven years. Also was at Rehype as a sales director for that one. Lovely. Tobias? Hello, yeah, my name is Tobias Kogel. I am the CEO of uh, Starbreeze. We work, of course, with the Payday IP, Payday 2, and we have Payday 3 coming out during 2023. So very, very exciting. And um, yeah, been in the industry since 1996. So hopefully have some some experience to share. Awesome. And uh, finally, Loic. Yeah, um, Loic Fontaine. Um, I've been yeah working with communities and communication in the game industry for about 10 years. Uh, spent the past four years roughly uh, heading communication at uh, Paradox Interactive. Uh, and I'm currently uh, both in between job and enjoying a pretty long uh, Scandinavian parental leave. A prime moment of my life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about me. A uh, long time working with uh, this topic. So excited to, to exchange about it. <laughs> Which, nice. Nice. Hi everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now that we know like who you guys are and a bit of context behind you, uh, let's move on to our topic today. So you all have a, a question based on building community within gaming. And as usual, uh, we work around the room. Uh, each of you will pose your question to each other and the reasons behind it. And then everyone will get the opportunity uh, to give their take on the situation. Um, so yeah, let's start with Magnus and your question. Okay, yeah. My question is why is community and user generated content or user generated tournament so important? And this is the way that we can monetize that kind of user-generated to content tournaments, whatever. Uh, Tobias, I mean, you've been building with Payday. You have the biggest community. So I guess you have a lot of experience into building communities and using that one to sell games and also selling DLCs. Well, thanks. Yeah, um, it's a very, very tricky topic because number one, what you have to, you have to, do that in such a way that the community feel empowered and in control and that they're getting benefits from it, right? There are certainly ways of, of doing it in the wrong way and making the, the, the players, the contributors feel like they're being taken for granted or, or, or being used, you know, in a monetary scheme. So finding that balance is the tricky one. Uh, there are so many examples that are great and so many examples that are bad. Um, 
when Steam tried to do the, the monetization of UGC with uh, Skyrim uh, back in the days. Um, that was a big mistake. We were actually, I was at Paradox at the time, and we were um, coming up with uh, a similar solution um, together with Steam for, for City Skylines, actually. But we didn't like uh, the way that they wanted to, to monetize that, and we said, that well, you can't do it that way, you can't do it that way. So, so it never happened. Um, uh, at that point in time, and then they did a big mistake there with with Skyrim, which was so uh, was too bad for the industry. Really, um, I think the um, uh, the positive examples are things like Roblox, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Like people people feel empowered and, and great. Or for Starbreeze, I think we mainly use it at least today as an an engagement point. We let people you know, contribute with their content and things, and they really can, um, you know, add to, to, to their own experience, but don't really necessarily monetize it directly. I, I agree with you. So it's, it's hard to really, as I said, when you, you feel that the users feel that they are used and all that. I think you, if you want to try to monetize it, you need to feel like the, the users are that then if you're having, selling that, it's in somebody's enabler for the gamer to do more and more stuff. That's, I think it is important. Like as just you know, being as at Paradox, how did you see that, and how did you work with communities and, and that part? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna echo to quite a couple of the the point of Tobias. I think the the, the starting point on that is user generated content. Like it it provides value in itself, right? Like even before the question of like, how oh, can we monetize or can we get extra revenue out of it? Like there is the, the value that comes from the engagement that comes from the additional contact that is going to drive activity in your community and bring people to your game, right? So I think it's a super important point in general to, to first acknowledge that and see where you are in that sort of funnel, if you will, when it comes to user-generated content and which level of maturity you have before you jump on the monetization trend. I mean, the, the Skyrim example, I think, is prime and, and famous example of like something going super wrong by rushing through the step. Like in their case, they were going from, oh, we do solo, like deep RPG games, and suddenly they try to monetize UGC and, and their modding community without any transition point. And obviously, your community is not going to react positively to it. So so, so I think the, the key is, is balance and also timing, right? Like there is a level of maturity you need to reach with with a community with a brand uh, so that you can find the right ways to do to do this monetization and i would argue even that and i think i'm not going to talk too much about who product uh, approach that i mean not being uh, <laughs> in that in that ship directly myself involved anymore but i think that's really like the way we were thinking about it when, when i was uh, working there is like if you reach a point of maturity in, in, in that life cycle with your community, you there should start to be some sort of natural way to monetize it. Like it should sort of come itself as something quite obvious of like, oh yeah, our creator like would be interested to make money out of this. So how do we find a good model to allow them to, to do that maybe? Um, rather than okay, how, looking at your community and looking at your game, how can we squeeze like as much monetization as we can from the get-go? Like I think the community and the content comes first and the monetization after. And I think often the mistake is trying to rush through the steps, right? 
I, I totally agree with you. I think, as I said, you need to build a community, you need to build a foundation before it starts monetizing that. Mm-hmm. I just, you, I think they're going to feel like they're scammed on, all, on that one. But do you, do you feel, Tobias or Lloyd, that, I mean, can you monetize community? Maybe it's that you monetize that in the second way because when people create more content, it creates more awareness about the game and then it's going to sell games. We're going to do that more. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to sell advertising, I'm going to sell the content. It actually is on the second way because the more people that interact with the content, the more interested in the game there. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, uh, there's one other way of looking at it, right? Uh, going along with your question. If a community really loves a game and creates their own content for it and, and doing stuff that really adds to their experience, um, why why shouldn't they be able to actually get a slice back of that and get some sort of reward, right? And it is tricky, right, to, to, to pay actually money to people, but it could be fame or whatever as well. But but the monetary aspect, I think, is, is also fair because if you as a company do that, um, let's try to solve it out so, so people actually get paid for it um uh, i mean you can look at it in so many so many angles like that yeah. I, I think it's good i think b- b- bouncing on it i mean there there are and i mean there is a roblox example uh obviously in, in video game which is massive but also quite unique and not necessarily like easy to copy and paste on on more traditional premium model uh it's also like i mean there are a lot i think we need to acknowledge there are also a lot of conversation about roblox and the fact that it's mainly a kid audience and like their monetization model has also had critiques like due due to that because it's it's complex to to monetize like activity from like underage people and so on but aside from that i think there are also super interesting example in the larger gaming sphere without looking at video game and like we had that in the in the news lately with dnd on the on the ttrpg um uh, area right where th- there is a massive like business of creators making money uh, out of like the, the general brand and, and, and the universe and so on and and i think like the the backlash they receive when they try to change the bit their their agreement for how people can use their ip like is a great example and i mean maybe a cautionary tale or, or, or some inspiration for for all fields as well of like how sensitive those questions are right because when you're touching like something like that for which people's livelihood depend on. I mean, we see that in the streaming sphere as well, with like every time Twitch or another platform, like try to make some adjustments on uh, on the agreement they have with a creator. Like it is extremely complex, and yeah, it's a it's a tough nut to to crack. And I think often the guidance is like following following your community and your creators and where they're at and listening to them is often a good idea, <laughs> because I don't think you can magically you know draft the perfect system and like paste it on an existing community and hope that it's going to work. I mean, maybe if you're really lucky, right? Yeah, I agree. It, it's a balance there where to go and how to use, how, how you can support and be the enabler and how you can monetize that. It's going to be, and I think it, it differs from if it's a game or if it's an esports event or anything like that. So, but once again, thanks for the input on your side on that one. Oh, all right. Uh, let's move on to Loic and your question. Yeah, no, I, um, I I wanted to, to to discuss a bit, and it's it's pretty it's a very open ended question. But thinking on the on the landscape right now, and thinking of the various social media and, and community platform out there, uh, I wanted to get a sense from other people than myself, having been a, a bit on the tunnel for a couple of years, right? Of like where things are headed, and typically, I mean, the question is 
what platform would you prioritize today and, and tomorrow? And by tomorrow, I mean like in the upcoming year or two, right? When it comes to community building, right? Because, I mean, there is a lot of things going on out there. We've seen everything happening with, with Twitter lately that had created a lot of like conversation around community platform, what they are for, like how to use them. There's tons of very active new platform. I mean, TikTok, obviously, but also Discord and Steam itself is a huge community platform in the gaming sphere. So I'm interested to get your sense of where are your priority maybe today? What what would you prioritize tomorrow? How do you see that landscape evolving? And and how, how do we prepare basically for those mutations, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe uh, starting with, with, with Magnus, I'm sure you have also like some, some interesting take from the esports area where I'm much less familiar with to, to, to be frank. So, and I know there are some interesting things going on there as well. Yeah, no, I have, yeah, I think it's a little bit different if you have a game compared to the esports where you're trying to do that. And also maybe you want to build a, if you are an, uh, if you're a brand or again, build a community into that one. I think, I mean, we, we see Discord works that, that's, a, that's one thing that really puts things together at Discord, but, uh, but also is that other ways to interact and keep people, keep getting people coming back. I think there's a way where you can work on your own platform. I'm not saying it's going to be a torrent platform, but it's an engagement platform. It can be anything connected to, you know, you put the tournament as a part of that, but also where it's, you know, challenge every, I don't think everybody wants to be in eSport and be competitive. So building your own type of platform where, you know, you can be competitive without being a, playing a tournament is something that, that I see a lot of companies are building into that one. And, and as I said, so doing that way, if you're looking at a brand, I think it's a bit of community, Discord, and also Roblox as a game. So it's a little bit what you want to achieve and what you want to do there, how you want to do that part. Yeah. Tobias, your, your take, I think Melanie was mentioning earlier, do you have one of, or if not the biggest, like Steam community in in numbers with, a, with Payday? Uh, like how do you approach that? Like this huge hub, super close to the game versus like other social media community platform out there. Yeah. Well, I mean the, the steam community page, which we are about 8.6 million uh, now, it's pretty amazing. Right. Uh, and there's nothing uh, strange we've done. We've, we've done some incentives in the game. If you sign up to it and we try to be active on, on the page itself. So, so we haven't done anything that's rocket science in any way. That's a good page for sure. A good community there. Um, however, I think what is key uh, is that you own your own community. Um, Paradox have uh, Paradox accounts. I mean, uh, the trick for any you know esports league is owning their customers, right? So I, I think to ask your question there, what we see at Starbase um, as the the main tool for our future is to build a, our own community uh, platform, basically uh, account system, whatever you want to call it. And have that being the place where we gather and have that as a hub, at least and we're going to work with a bunch of other tools for various things. But the fact that we can have some notion of user data, knowledge about what kind of games they bought and play and 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 also offer a lot of services uh, in that tool is absolutely key. Um, the the kind of um, campaigns and um, incentives you can do between our our various games to our community based on their activity or how long they've been playing the game or what they achieve and so forth is is you know I think that's the key. Yeah. So we're all going forward with this we call our platform stories nebula 
Mm -hmm. um, I think the trick there is to explain to people who who play our games that we 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 want this service to be there for them to give them value. Um, a lot of people goes like, "Why do you need my data? Why do you?" Like, why do I need to sign up here? So we made it so you don't have to leave your email. You don't have to get marketing. You can just very easily check, check that away, right? Uh, and I think eventually when they start seeing the benefits of this, they're going to be, you know, very, very appreciative of it um, to, to a larger degree than they are already. Um, but uh, you, you, I think that's the other kind of aspect of it. As whatever tool you use, you need to be able as a company to show the, the purpose and uh, the value of it to your to your uh, to the people who sign up and who were affected by it. That that's super interesting actually to for me to dive in because I am uh, I'm a bit of the opposite approach to this, <laughs> or, or or rather I have I have sort of become to the opposite approach to this because I mean before Paradox I was with Ubisoft for quite a while and I was there during the war like. Uh, emergence of Uplay and all the, the challenges it faced uh, uh, as a platform and I've seen seen them like move more away from it. I mean we've seen like Ubisoft and, and, and EA like uh, at least on the shop side of things sort of and, and on the having their separate launcher, having their se separate ecosystem taking quite a few steps back in the past uh, couple of years and I mean at Paradox I mean we we, they, we, we had the, the system as well but same thing I think the, the ambition on uh, creating a very separate ecosystem and so on have been dialed back in the past couple of years seeing like the, the the difficulty of managing that i think it's a bit different with with esport and tournament because then you can provide very specific tools that are gonna like like be a necessity for the people who want to participate in that and i get that but typically my my approach to this in the past years and learning from this lesson has very much been if there is already a tool doing it I want to avoid at all costs creating competition with the thing in place. Like I, I would never recommend like a team I work with or a client or whoever to be like, oh yeah, you should build your own chat system. I mean, except if they have obviously gigantic community, super, I mean, the, the means to do so. But I'm like, Discord is out there. You're not going to beat Discord. Like it's gonna be really, really difficult, and, and, and in the same, uh, in the same way, like with quite a, a, a lot of other tools. So I've been very much in the in the approach in in recent years and in my project to be like, what's out there? What are your players already using? Like be there, like f focus on that. And then I think, I mean, there is an absolute necessity, and I'm all there with you on like tracking, getting data, knowing, l learning more about your players. But I'm very much on the on the trend or on the approach myself to be like, how can you do that without having to sell them a, a new like tool or platform? I mean, it could, could be wrong, right? Like it's it's really different text to it because obviously the value for the company, if you manage to put it off, is is enormous, right? Because there, there is a loss of value having to go through tools and platform you don't own, you don't own their policy. I mean, I think Twitter and everything happening on Twitter right now is a very good example. Like, what do you do when suddenly a gigantic platform has a massive change of of, of policy and, and and of approach? And like, that's that's comfortable for no one, right? Uh, or at least it's very difficult to to work on. So, so, so I don't know. I find that I find it's a it's a tough one. What what, what do you think? Well, no, I agree. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't buy uh, build your own chat uh, tools or whatever. You shouldn't. You, yeah, kind of, um, if if there is a preferred system out there to use, you have to use it. 
on the other hand, as a publisher, as a as a builder of of community, which we basically that's what we're doing. I'm trying to repeat that as much as I can inside of Starbase right now. We our main focus is building communities by making games. Um, just making games and don't build a community just doesn't make sense. Right? Um, so we need to think about it in that order. And then you need, as a company, you need to have a way to to connect with your users, but in the best possible way, right? So, so use use the tools out there. Um, but but on the other hand, if you let yourself uh, kind of outsource your because this is the value for Steam, right? Uh, that's why Steam is doing retail keys and give them away for free for others to to resell, right? It helps them build their community that they own that they can upsell to. Um, as as important for you as a company to do it, then but I guess it's hardly complex these days considering all the, the platforms out there. So not not easy. But isn't that like building the super app instead of building a chat app? A chat you have Discord. If you build, you know, a store that EA tried to do with EA Origins, you have Steam. It's, it's combining all the things that are out there and then building a platform that connects all that thing. I've seen that in the. The sports world with team, the liquidity team down in Germany who beat that, and just a single sign on. So I think it's that, but uh, I think taking a tool and building it at a platform or community is something in the up that you have to build each of the components. That's never going to work because you're never going to be able to move people from Discord. You're never going to move them from Twitch for a moment or YouTube. That's already built, but can we build that into a, to a platform and you know, have an easy way to sign on for that one, the use that one? And as I said, can we then track the data of these ones? Because data, I would say, is the new oil in this business. The more data we have, the better we're going to be. The products will be better on you know, that part. So I think it's that use that kind of super app thing, you know. What if that super that combines everything? Yeah. That might be the next step. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like that idea. I think the, 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 the key is like, as you say, like if people are already on the platform, you're not going to get them to quit that platform to, to join the thing that is convenient for you. <laughs> and not for them, right? I, I think the key is like, how do you integrate those things? I think that's one of the reasons I really like Discord. And I've, I've been like more and more of a believer in the platform as a, as a proper community platform and community tool in the past couple of years. Is because like the thing you can do like now connecting your server with bots and so on. It, it, it's something we, we've done at, at Paradox uh, that was quite incredible. Like we, we had a developer developing like a bot system that allowed uh, to like, you know, grant status and rank, but also it's the same boat for all the servers of Paradox game, which means you have a lot of interoperability and you're able to like connect things. And also you're able to have your teams, your community teams working using the same standards across all of your server, right? And through that, you can gather data, you can like, you, you can create your ecosystem, but sort of like as a little parasite, <laughs> parasites, you know, like sucking the goods of the existing platform uh, rather than having to rebuild it on the side. And I think this call is very convenient from that. But we see that like typically when Twitter like closes or create like a, a monetary barrier on, on their API, I mean, it's suddenly like those things that you never have a guarantee on the other end that the platform will not change policy and that the thing that you do one day are going are gonna to remain possible the next. So it's a uh, it's definitely like, I mean, it's a long-term versus short-term risk. I think another way that I'd like to, to think about that question and maybe ask it to you guys since we have a bit of time is like, if you had like a small indie studio or if you or if you were advising like a small team today on like 
building uh, the community around their games, like what what would be your priorities? Because I know I have like some strong belief and so on accumulated from the past couple of years I work, but we also all work with all little tunnel and we're all, all little blind sites, right? Uh, of the thing we think work or not. So I'm curious to see like coming from different like horizon and different kind of games. Like if you had to pick the top three platform or something that you would like set priority off if you had limited resources, what would they be? Maybe starting with Magnus. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, a tough question to go there. <laughs> I know that. That is just putting on the spot there, right? I mean, what, what are the community building tools out there? Is that is, is Twitter that is the you know it's overall another one which I think you can use very, very well to build your community. I've seen a lot of those kind of people build that around legal media, especially probably I mean, there's a couple of apps that really created that one. So I would say, I mean, I, I'm going to be a little bit bold and easy on this one. I'm going to put it up to Bias. I think he is more knowledgeable than me and say, hey, I would say Twitter, I would say Overwolf is too good things there. And of course, Discord. That's the, that's just where you get that kind of thing in it. I would say those were the three, and I would go for really on that one. But I know to be as a little bit more ex experienced than me on that one. Not necessarily, but I, I would also uh, go for for Discord as a really good place because it's focused, right? And on Twitter, it's so easy to to get lost in other things and and in the the flow of of craziness. Um, I think Discord is a really good focus system. Um, but then again, don't 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 forget places like like the Steam community. I th I think the problem today is that you can't really choose which maybe you have to as a small player or a, or a new studio or with lacking resources you have to pick one right. But in the end, you have to to allow and serve uh, several places to really reach a broader broader audience. Um, yeah, but yeah, again, the Discord is is fantastic, a really really great place. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I think, I think Discord is extremely good. Like, especially as a core community place, like the place where you can shape what your core community is gonna be and service those people. And it's gonna have like ripple effect on the on the rest of it. I mean, I, I, I am a, I am of the people who are disengaging more and more of Twitter, not not for like ethical or like ideological reason relative to the change on the platform. I think that's very secondary but more because I think, as you say, like it's a platform where there is a lot of noise. And when you look at actual community building and actual impacts, like the 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 return of investment uh, on platform like that is, is going pretty low, especially when you compare it to more modern platform like TikTok and Instagram. Like I think one of the things we, we learned at Paradox in the past couple of years that was extremely interesting is like the value Instagram build in terms of growth for games where you wouldn't believe it does. Like the the Heart of Iron Instagram page, you can look it up. Like it has been one of the fastest growing community platform of Paradox in the past couple of years, and, and like and in a very positive way, right? Like it's not like weird followers that are bought through advertising or whatever. Like it's it, it's actual community. I mean, when you're looking for growth, I think it's it's important to not underestimate that. Then I think the difficulty is like is priorities, right? Because you have to you you want to be everywhere, and then. I think you, you, you said that uh, earlier on the previous question, Agnes, it's, it depends on what you want to achieve. It's going to depend on the kind of game and, and what you're after. But I am also 100% with you, Tobias, on the fact that the Steam page and the, the, the closest to your game, right? That That's yeah. where people are going to be. <laughs> and, and and it's so often that because those ecosystems are not always, like you don't control them, they can be a bit rowdy and difficult, like 
people will neglect them and and let them like sort of out of their gaze which it's same thing with reddit for example like and mm. i think that's a huge like mistake because like you're missing of where the activity is happening which means it's gonna the your community is gonna get shaped without you having a word on it which is tough yeah. uh, can i ask like a it's quite similar to loik's question like if you because i talk to a lot of startups and if you have a small team right and then you're going through a scale-up phase what do you think that should be prioritized in terms of hiring? Do you think it's a social media manager or is it a community manager? Oh, I would say community manager because social media is just like an effect of that. If, you, if you're if you only on, on social media without a notion of actually building community, you're, you're, you're easily going wrong anyhow. So, yeah. uh, but that, that could also be the same person in a way, right? But, but yeah, I absolutely okay. think community manager. Yeah, same. I, I think if you're very small, like going with a with a role that has the, the diable title is fine. Like I have a couple of friends who have been like community and social media manager for, for small companies. You need to be mindful to not create a job desk that is basically 10 jobs because it's very easy to do in, in, in that field, right? But I think for a while, it can be fine. The priorities should certainly be on community, but I mean, prioritizing social media is like if you put the priority on the tool rather than on your objective, you're generally going to go in the in the wrong direction so yeah i think i i would do the same but i would ensure as you grow to branch it out sooner rather than later because otherwise that's how you you burn out your people and then you're not achieving anything yeah i agree i agree community manager also have to say but also that you need to otherwise and the the, the, the problem is going to hit with many hats at the end they're going to be community and social media manager and marketing manager and all that you know in one person so I think that every problem sort of problem is that how do you scale it and how when do you start you know diversing people mm -hmm. sort of making people in smaller boxes you're responsible for the community you're marketing there uh, that, that, that's a that's an issue at least so i think mm -hmm. but community is the key that building that one just putting and posting content without building something is, is hey i'm 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 posting i'm posting things on instagram but i'm not feeling community so i mean if i do that so i think it's, it's a way it's a difference there yeah that's bad as a tangential note on this, I must say how pleasing it is to see that today it is not a question that there is a difference between community manager and social media manager. I mean, only five years ago, like this was still completely a blur and it's incredible how we grow as an industry and how now, like basically every company, every professional in the field is able to see the very clear difference and where the priority is. Like as someone who's been working with community for 10 years, <laughs> it makes me like quite hopeful. Like this was not only vain, people. <laughs> good job, That's good job, sir. Point. Like, yeah, you, you've like, you revolutionized the industry. Good job, sir. Slowly but steadily. <laughs> evolution is growing. The evolution is happening here. Great. Yeah. Oh, oh that, was a, that was an awesome discussion. Um, let's move on to our final question uh, today, which is Tobias, uh, tell us your question and the context behind it. I took on the hat to kind of try to be a little bit, you know, the business hat and be a little bit provocative on, on this as well. So how, what, how, or rather, what is the monetary value of a community and its role in, in the valuation of an IP as a whole? Meaning that basically it's like if you look at a game um, and say, well, that's a very valuable IP. Why, why is it so? I, I would like to argue it's because of the community. But how, how do you how do you actually put a value on that? Like thinking of throwing that question to you, Loic, because you, you've obviously that's 
paradox if we worked a lot with with, with yeah. hyperactive communities. Yeah, I think I mean it is the 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 one billion dollar in investment question, right? And uh, and it is like I mean it's fascinating to me. I would say it's one of my favorite topic, and we can extend this podcast a full hour to discuss it uh, if I want to trace. But I think the 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 key there is it is hard, right? So like it it is hard to put a monetary value on it, and I think like for for maybe ten years almost uh, the, the the field of like community. I mean, generally in the marketing field, but in game especially, has been working a lot on what's the ROI of what we do. Like, what is the value? Where where do we come in the value chain, and how do you put a number of of the value of doing that? And I think we we've moved as an industry a bit away from it, realizing that we're not good at manage to put a number on how much money those community bring to the table. That being said, be, be, because we, we know it brings value and, and it's just like, it's very hard to come with a magical formula that is going to tell you, if you compare to performance marketing, for example, where you can very easily see, like, if I put $1 in this, I get $2 back, right? Um, that being said, from the angle of like valuating an IP, valuating a, a game or a studio, that becomes extremely interesting because there is a value there, but also it's it's a very like flimsy value because the value is you have it for only as long as you continue servicing that community well and you keep that community engaged and with a positive sentiment right it's a very volatile value that can also move away from you pretty quickly and i think by default i think we should assume that if there is a huge community engaged with a brand obviously that has a tremendous value probably more to an extent that the code base or or whatever right that being said and once again, taking the D&D example that is very fresh from, from January this year, you can also see how, from a pure monetary perspective, that value can turn on you quite fast, right? Like, he, and he, it's not like any uh, criticism on, on Wizard of the Coast and those approached it, right? Like, super complex topic of, you, you, you see you have a huge language com community, you want to tweak how am I going to interact with that community? How am I going to derive value and monetization from it? And it can potentially backfire so hard that you have to sort of like go the entire opposite direction. In that case, like, does the community bring value to your IP or does the community restrict its monetiza hard monetization potential, like its hard business potential? Because if you have a community that is convinced that your, your, your IP should remain like free for all, like shouldn't monetize hardly, like is it an asset, is it not? And I think that's, I mean, that's fascinating to me because how you grow your community in order to both be like a great community that's going to attract people, but also profitable for your business and, and, and finding this perfect balance. I mean, that is the key, right? That is the, the goal and and the, the, the golden thing we're all after, right? I mean, eSports have these massive audiences these days, right? Uh, big, bigger than Formula One sometimes, right? And, and, and... It hasn't this been a, a question because Formula One they've been around for a while and they've been really good at monetizing their their audience right but but where where is the state of of this in in esports related to this question? I mean I would say that you know, you're correct to say esports has a lot of fans but a lot of fans a lot of communities all that but it hasn't been really able to monetize that one because if you look at and maybe it depends if you look at the tournament organization or if you look at it as a team, I think it's a little bit different. If Formula One teams can monetize in a different way compared to an eSport team, because the, or, in, or a soccer team, like, you know, they can sell tickets, they can sell merchandise, they can sell beer and food, 
which the, which, which these teams not, can't do that. So it's hard for them to monetize. And also everything is free to watch. You know, the tournament is free to watch. So they don't pay walls. It doesn't, you know, there's some, not really any big media rights that, that pump, pump up the kind of big money into that one. So I think it's, that's something that, you know, I think eSport needs to work on how to, how you do that, how you convert customers into that one. And, and I think that's what, that's what we're fighting with. How do we do that? But I, for me, it comes down to be a bit of data, who's watching, what do we have? Because we, we've been missing that one. You need to know who is watching and what, what the interests are. And not just saying, hey, we have 30,000 viewers from the US and we have 5,000 Sweden. It doesn't be the same thing. So what eSport needs to do is go a little bit local. I like what Elite Seren has done. But there is a local league in Sweden. It's easier to monetize because then you can watch. It's only it's in Swedish. So, you know, you can compare that to, you know, football or football league. Al-Svenskan or SOL in Sweden is hockey and all that and then you can start monetizing that one and put a value on because when DreamHack runs an event it's a global event so it's hard to find that kind of global budget it's easier to find that and monetize on that when it comes to local events and all that so so I think it, it, it's ways where we need to find ways to not give everyone free but also monetize the community in a way and this it's hard to monetize on a, on a Twitch stream I think that's going to be hard but there's other ways we can do that and look at merchandising today if if Ninja's Ninja's and Pyjamas come to Sweden once every year to play one tournament, I don't buy the jersey because I'm just going to use it for that event. I'm not going to save it at home. So I think where's the digital version of that one? Why aren't we? Why how can I show that instead? I think that's where you need to go in that way to monetize. As an example, doing that. So that that's where we need to. I think work with esports needs to work on the digital assets and monetize that part better than happen. But and also we need to go to more local things that instead of these kind of global massive things there, because you can see the partnerships that these global tournaments have is, 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 is shrinking. It's just a big brand, like, you know, it's Monster, it's Eat that you don't see the peripheral brands like Steve Shea and all that, because they also work on a local level there. So it's, it's a change in that way, doing that one. But going back to me, as you said, is it, I mean, you have 8.6 million, I think you said, on, on Steam. Is it there like on Steam as a community? Is it there a way to say, if you've got 8.6 million, is there like a, the calculation say if I have eight six I would say I'll sell X amount of games on that one to do that. Or is that well is that just how it how it works in the in the bad when we we're selling, you know, plastic CDs and all that changed? Sure. I think actually it comes down to that. my my answer on the question would be uh, it, it, the value is um related to the quality of the community and not the amount per se but in the quality i would say how closely in touch you are with them and how likely they are to to actually give you money for the value that you deliver to them in the future right what will this amount of people you have pay to you so you could have a, a million uh, users somewhere and a million other users some other where like the value might be different because what they're possibly going to spend uh, on your products uh, and to your questions, like, what does it mean for us? I think it means a bit. I mean, the uh, the Payday 2 game, um, which the community on Steam is, is attached to, right? It won't transfer automatically to Payday 3, unfortunately. The um, We do, uh, we are usually on the top 20, sometimes top 10 CCU on Steam. Um, I mean, we do a 10-year-old game that's still monetizing like crazy. On the other hand, we've made 240 DLCs so far, right? And, and dropping a DLC every three, four weeks. So, of course, we're very active there as well. Um, but but we did have a big community where we didn't release a lot of DLCs for a period. Uh, and then the sales was down, right? So it's more about our, our 
it's a combination of our activity and the semester. Um, it, it really, it is a kind of a trick question, but I think it's the same thing with an IP, um, how to value an IP in my experience, it just comes down to that. It's like, what can you actually, what kind of money can you make on this in the future? Unfortunately, right? Because I, I would like it to be a little bit more of a, um, artsy kind of valuation office as well. How beautiful is it? <laughs> come down to, yeah. to the money part of it. No, but I, I would agree on that. And I think like th there is clearly a point of you can't just go with a big number, right? Like you have to know what that numbers mean in your very specific context. Because if you look at, at, at Paradox, for example, and I was quickly uh, verifying what numbers have been said uh, publicly to not <laughs> say, uh, say say anything but like paradox has communicated before about having like around like four million uh like monthly monthly player and has communicated before about stuff like yeah having like uh, more than 10 million registered accounts and uh and and some games like i don't know creator king sold like more than one million units like others have been communicating and more but if you look at all those numbers they're not that big right like we're in the maybe tens of millions, which if you compare to other very massive brand, like tens of million is a is a basis of an Assassin's Creed being mildly su successful. Right? <laughs> so, so it's very different kind of scale. But when you look at the, the ratio and the level of engagement that communities like products communities have and, and the level of like like the, the, the conversions, for example, the number of DLCs they buy for a single game and so on, like it, it may be very different. So, so maybe you can just community value them more than maybe a more loosely wider community. And, and I think that's a key and that's what you need to, to have people to understand. You need to be able to have the data, have the knowledge, the understanding of your community to be able to say, this is the flashy number, but for us, this is what it means. <laughs> because you, you, you can flash big numbers, but if it's just people who have been like loosely buying the game and are not at all engaged with it, like I have dozens of games that I own doesn't mean I'm part of their active community at all, right? And, and I think like this kind of knowledge and understanding is key. And I think that's often like what might be missing for people who are less involved with the fields, uh, because it's easy to compare numbers of followers, right? But that's why when we track community, we, we talk more about engagement, sentiment, activity, because I mean, the, the, the numbers that get me anything. Like I think one, uh, one of the interesting example we, we had at the previous employer was like we, we had one of our page on Facebook at the time that was like super high in number of followers and you're like okay this game is doing extremely well whereas when you looked at it it was due to a mistake in advertising that had led to have like thousands of followers coming from like Pakistan because basically that hits like some farm boats thing with advertising so there were tons of followers on the page but it was actually extremely low value because it was most likely like boat or some like uh, like a fan, like like farm uh, in that country so it was more of a mistake right but if you were just looking at the raw number that was great <laughs> uh, so so like this level of knowledge of your own community i think is absolutely key and and that's the level you need to look at if you're gonna be able to put any kind of valuation on it yeah good point yeah yeah, it's a tricky one because it, it's it, in the end, it's about people we're talking about as well. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's exactly. always terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, people will change their mind, right? It's like the value of your community is only as good as your latest release. <laughs> if uh, you yeah. can, you can, that value is, I mean, it's tremendous. At the end of the day, this is, this is a business, right? Like, this is not like how, 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 how good the game is. I mean, 
it is the base, the necessary basis, but there are thousands of good games dying in the depth of Steam and and the Google and Apple Play Store that no one knows about. So so yeah, the community is where is where your value is, but it can also change its mind pretty fast if you if you mess up for it. If the fact that you're you're never better than your next game is, is something I lived with um, for a long time uh, back in the days when we had shipped Battlefield 1942 and we were visiting uh, the EA in Redwood Shores and the manager of EA Distribution, it was called it these days, those days uh, EA Partners these days, um, Tom Frisina, an old old veteran from the industry who, who later was on the board of EA and, and started Tilting Point and a bunch of other stuff. He, he uh, told uh, myself and Patrick, who was there, like we were a little bit cocky, I guess, based on, on our success with Battlefield 1942. And he just said, like, guys, you're never better than your next game. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, it stuck with me. And I something I always carried with me. And, and it comes true to that, right? You can destroy a value um, very, very quickly. And I think uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, dice can. can uh, uh, repair a bit of what uh, 20, yeah. 2042 have done to that to that community. Definitely, and I think even looking like further in that direction, like the the challenge today is like this is not even only your next game anymore, right? Because with live service and with like constant community interaction, like you could mess up your relationship with your community for things that have very little to do with the actual game, even right? Like there are some stance you can take some uh, so, some changes you can make to to the way you interact with your communities are going to have tremendous aspects and, and even your game like any update any patch any like new dlc might have like a, a huge impact on how your community consider the game consider your your company and and consider spending money with you right so it is uh it is steps i mean i would say it's it, it's much harder that i mean I, i've only been in this industry for 10 years right but i feel like this has gone there only increasingly complex since I started working with this. I mean, social media has made that everything travels so fast and everything picks up. Both. Even you know, as you said, you you say something at the level of you know, community manager, or CEO say something, it, it, you know, it goes through, and you have all the whole kind of Reddit coming at you and all that, and you know, it just evolves and all that. At the same time, there's a lot of lot loyalty to the community. Also, if if you do that right, they're going to be there for you and supporting you in Kerawan. So, as uh, I think it all. I think it comes back to the community is so important to have and to down to build and all that. And it's a little bit. I don't want to say you. I mean, first question was how do you monetize? Can you monetize that? You can, but it's it's a fine balance onto onto that. How you do that? Then how you interact with them? I think you need to build that kind of trust level with them. That's the key thing on that. Yeah, and I mean, as as Tobias was saying, like at the end of the day, you're talking with humans, right? Like it's it's not like a. Uh, an educated mass like it's not just like this audience that doesn't have a personality right it's actual people and i mean you you, you have to realize as well how, how smart people are and, and how the level of like i would say culture and education are on like all field and all medium like has grown also over the year right like people know what it's about i mean often you see like game developer being frustrated about like fans not understanding like the reality of game development and that's fair but you also see like increasingly i believe how acquainted like people are with the field as a well whole and with all the problems we're dealing with i think once again like it's one of the things i take from the super interesting dnd example like who would have believed a couple of years ago that you would get get an op a community uproar on like something as technical as the legal term of your 
partner agreement, right? Like it's not the thing you expect people to be nitpicky about, but they were, and, and I mean for tons of good reason and so on. So it's uh, it, it's complex, right? You can't just be like, ah, oh, this is just legal stuff. No one is gonna care about it. No, people are gonna yeah. hide, not just like yeah. a few influencer, right? The whole community. No. <laughs> Because they felt they were going to be monetized, right? That, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And, and it's not even clear if they were going to monetize or or, or or not, right? But just the, the in a legal document, the risk that there might be like some monetization coming to the game they cared about was enough to ignite this like huge reaction. Yeah. Right? yeah. So oh, it's it's, uh, it's like it's very similar, I think, to an example of this. We're not getting into details of that, but like when you have these these legal writings, can be tricky. I know there was like a storm for a while that, oh, Facebook have the rights to my pictures that I uploaded to Facebook. That's not fair. I should I should have those rights myself, right? No, what it said is that to be able to show your picture, upload, they need to have the right to actually show them, right? Yeah. But when um, people don't really. Uh, or are accustomed with with the legal language the implications are trying to to do that and they have feelings and that gets mixed social storms that are pretty crazy can can show up not 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 saying exactly what what uh, happened with the Dungeons and Dragons example because I'm not I'm not um, uh, haven't haven't followed that example as closely but um, it's an it's an interesting um, comment on the fact that when you have a community uh, you have to be very careful. Uh, especially in, in the stuff that we, we talk about here. It's like, so explain it to, to them in that case, if you're going to monetize or or do whatever. Yeah, I think it, it's really the thing of the value. It's like, it's this double-edged sword, right? It's like, it's sort of a, with great power, come great responsibility kind of situation. <laughs> you're you're, yeah. you're going to get a potential tremendous value, but also yeah. like, I mean, you have to treat that with respect and you have to treat that with consideration and, and like consider also like the intelligence of the people you're dealing with. You can't just be like, cool, I have accumulated X million of player. Now this is a flashy number I can flash to investor being like, this is a guarantee that 50% of those are going to buy the next game, right? It's never going to be as as clear cut as that, sadly. I mean, it would be convenient. Yeah. Mm. Right. Now it's going to be, uh, you need to be a little loyal. You need to be loyal to their fat community also and do that stuff for them. I think that as I said, being a kind of enabler is what you be there even if you're getting esports and sponsorship or you're getting you need to be an enabler and a help and a computer stuff not as you said not that they feel like they're exploited they're going to make money on you you need to you need to get things back there yeah don't don't mess with the people basically <laughs> all right um we've had an amazing discussion today really enjoyed this so before we end the podcast i'd just like to say uh thank you to all of our guests uh, for sharing their thoughts and opinions in the conversation today so once again, uh, on today's podcast, we've had Like, formerly from Paradox, Magnus from Esports Innovation Group, and then also Tobias from Starbreeze. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message. Uh, I am Melanie, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at melanie.lindsay at evolution-nordics.com. Or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com uh, forward slash SE. Thanks again to all of our guests. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And we hope that you can join us next time.